What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by TheCinematicReal.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Mr. Jack Renault. How are you today, good sir? Very good, very good. You know, it's it's been a while. I honestly don't think I've done any reel-it-backs where it's been a first-time watch for me, but this week is one, and I am definitely excited to talk about it. Yes, yes. Uh, we are going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary of The Fugitive, and... To celebrate with us, we've brought back a resident guest that appears often, but someone that loves this movie as much as I do, Mr. Alex, the host, a.k.a. the intern, Helmer. How are you today, good sir? I don't care. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys didn't get the reference for a second. just thought I was a dick. Um, but yeah, great to be back on Chronicles. I don't know what reel it back was, so I had to reel it back, back there in my brain for a bit. But now I'm um, updated on the lore. But um bum. So yeah, this is gonna be a fun discussion on a movie that I saw as a kid and then when I started getting into the Oscars saw that it was a best picture nominee and a very well loved movie and think that's one of the most awesome things the Oscars have ever done back in ninety three. So we're gonna get into that in a little bit. Before we get into that, there's some a bit of news to get into. We had three trailers this week. Uh one of them will I'm very interested in your talk in your thoughts. The other two, just curious if you even saw it. The first one is, uh, I know Helmer did because we both didn't really like it. Craven the Hunter trailer. How excited are you for that? Um, I just am just when I saw Russell Crowe in this movie, love love him to death. But come on, <laughs> this is it's, it seems like this is like the twentieth time he's played played this role in the last ten year like year. So, um, so Jack, what do you think? Um. <laughs> I did not actually get. I don't think this trailer was on uh, when I was last at the theaters, but just kind of like the base premise and what I've heard, it's. I might check it out. Maybe not immediately in theaters, but it seems like it could be a fun time in, you know, hanging out with some friends when you're maybe slightly inebriated. (laughs) See, you know, Russell Crowe has never been like one of my guys, but. He has done some good stuff in the past that I actually really liked. This trailer, uh, I do have a actual true story to it. Dumb Money, the trailer about the GameStop uh, stock scandal of, of a few years back. Trailer looks great. Uh, I have a friend who made out very well throughout this whole <laughs> GameStop <laughs> thing. Like, we're looking at close to six figures of how much money he took home. Good Lord. Game. Yeah. Uh, trailer looks good. So for anyone that thinks this is not as true of a story as it is, I can confirm I had a friend that did very, very, very well. He got in at $4 and got out at, like, $300. So he didn't get the peak at $500, but he wasn't mm-hmm. there for the first, uh, for Robin Hood to to basically freeze assets and everyone started dumping the stock. So, uh, yeah, looks good. Did you guys get a chance to see it, Jack? Uh, I didn't get a chance to see that trailer. Honestly, really, really fast outturn of this movie. I got to say, this was only, what, like two three, years ago, something? Two, three years ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and, I mean, just kind of the whole, 
the whole like scenario of it all, I remember just being so like absurd, really, like all, honestly, like quite hilarious. And honestly, it just kind of goes to show that like the internet is an extremely powerful tool that people can use in a lot of ways. And seeing people just kind of overturn Wall Street just by posting funny memes and that kind of stuff, uh, really crazy. And especially, you know, we've with all the whole upswing in like brand movies, uh, this is one that I think um, is a story that really, really um, has the potential to be really fascinating in uh, movie form. And Mr. Helmer, did you see the trailer? Yes, I really like the trailer a lot. I think the cast is great. Paul Dano, of course, is my guy. And it seems like every movie he's in, he plays someone different, which is always, you know, love to see it. Um, Seth Rogen looks pretty tolerable in it as well. Um, Sebastian Stan. It's a bunch of actors who are kind of playing. Got a Fable, Fableman's reunion just noted. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't even think about that. And Craig Gillespie, it seems like also every movie's direct, like Cruella compared to I, Tonya, compared to this looks like more down the Adam McKay route. So it looks like a fun time at the movies. And Pete Davidson, my guy. So oh. uh, love to see it. Well, it, uh, Jack, prediction. If this movie hits Tiff, Will Helmer give it five stars? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, or did he learn his Tiff, lesson from last Tiff year? Helmer is a, the trailer. Tiff Helmer is a different beast, that's yeah. for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I could see this maybe being a movie Helmer's honestly over the moon for. If it actually, like, delivers and ends up kind of being, like, a funny, like, tight movie that mm-hmm. a lot of these have kind of ended up being more recently, I could see him going high. Sure. And I know he's also a bit of a gamer himself, so I'm sure he's got some personal ties to GameStop itself. I'm sure he might have tried to sell a used game there for 25 cents in the past. The closest thing I, I uh, yes, with this stock <laughs> stuff, the closest thing I got was, do you guys remember MoviePass? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. MoviePass, their stock went from like $40 to $0.10. Cents. I bought 1,000 shares at $0.10. Cents. Um. It did not go very well for me. I will say that mm-hmm. they went out of business like six months later. It was, it, I didn't back lose, in business. Uh, yeah, no one has that garbage. <laughs> uh, and then last trailer. Uh, if you loved Elvis one year, you're about to love Elvis again. So we got a trailer to Priscilla. This, uh, I read an article. I can't remember where that the the Elvis that Graceland, the folks, the the Presley family was shown this film already and they hated it. So my guess is that we're probably going to love it because this is probably going to be more of a dissection of their relationship as a whole. And I guess how wrong it was when it first started of him being 24 and her 14. So it may dive into that. But I am huge on Sofia Coppola, so I will watch anything she does. So I'm, I'm pretty in on that. Jack, what about you? I, I'm in on it, too. Yeah, I got to say it was a kind of a surprising announcement to me at least at first that it would be a 24 distributing a movie that you know kind of delves into a bit more of one of like the most famous like american icons ever um so that was a little surprising but i mean the talent behind it is just stacked um i can't wait for it and i wonder do we do we get two elvis type movies nominated for best picture back to back when's the lot sophia hasn't been back Actually, she hasn't been back since translation, translation, right? Yeah, so maybe. Who knows? Could be. 
Uh, Helmer, I know you were huge on Elvis last year. How are you feeling about this one? I, I liked Elvis. I, I liked Elvis. Um, I, I'm excited for it. I like Sofia Coppola. I like the castings as well. I'm just worried about the polarization that it's going to mm-hmm. cause, most likely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it with Elvis, which is a pretty kind of, not standard, but in terms of how the story was told, it was pretty kind of clean. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I, we're in such an age where I think I and I, I think we know a lot of people who are going to be choosing sides, being like, oh, you know, th- this, has, this is so much better. Than the mm. 2022 Elvis, like not even. It's like, dude, it's like we're not in Marvel versus DC. Yeah, this is. It, you right, have to right. choose one or the other. And that's I, that's definitely what's going to happen. Hundred percent agree. You enjoy it, but I don't really care which one. It's fun to compare. Them and to. it's funny you mentioned that because like you're a hundred percent right. I didn't really think about it because you guys aren't like that of the comparing thing we're just going to watch it in our you know at its own entity yeah. and we take it from there but you're right i can see i'm not even i can see i am 100 percent sure you're yeah. right that we're going to get the oh this is so much better thing so yeah i can't i can't wait to mute people on that um next up is more of a me story but maybe a jack story so there's a big rumor going on on twitter and one of the outlets posted mm-hmm. that Dave, david lynch was seen shooting a new project in hollywood this week can we please jack can we season four i don't <laughs> give a shit what it is at this point i just need more like i need more 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 criteria it's been bro it's been 17 years 17 years since we've gotten a lynch film uh i know helmer is inland the, empire wasn't enough for you helmer's the biggest lynch fan <laughs> out of the three of us right this is not my topic, as you mentioned. This is a <laughs> Jack topic, so. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just curious if we're finally getting something. I mean, I love his weather reports, but I, 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 I need, I need more. Like the Gordon Cole spinoff movie, we never asked for, but we always needed. Oh boy. Um, I, I, I might, I might need to take, I might need to take some earplugs to that movie because I don't know if I can handle two hours of just Gordon Cole. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mister Renault? Um, but yeah, I can't wait if it is something actual more than just him just chilling, shooting, just casually shooting stuff on. I mean, do you remember? I don't know if you guys actually. I I know Helmer does it. Jack, did I ever tell you how he campaigned Laura Dern for Inland Empire? No. So that studio didn't have enough money, so he bought a cow and he sat outside and he put Laura Dern for Best Actress. It was a popular picture of David Lynch with a cow. And Laura Dern for Best Actress, FYC. So when you get a chance, look that up. It's actually pretty funny. He's just sitting on the lawn chair while with, holding the cow. Um, Helmer's just not impressed with David Lynch. I, I, I see his disgust on his face like, man, this guy. You know. I got, I got, he was in the Fablemans last year. Oh, I was going to say, uh, on, uh, <laughs> uh, and then last two things. Uh, I... I'm probably the biggest comic book fan here, but even myself was pretty eh on this thing being happening. But now I don't think it's going to happen. And Helmer's a, a wrestling fan like I am. So Bad Bunny's great in wrestling, but he does not deserve a movie of a, based on a character that appeared in two issues. And it looks like it's going to be shelved and delayed. Nothing else to add to that. Just wanted to note that bad. we support Bad Bunny. We just don't support this movie. Uh, and finally... Something near and dear to our heart. We may lose TCM. Surprised Helmer this week with this. And um, that sparked some some little guys in the industry. Right, Jack? Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg. Indie filmmakers. Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and PTA 
organized an emergency call to David Zaslov, Hel- Helmer's favorite CEO, to advocate for saving TCM. Uh, I will be very, 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 very upset if TCM goes away. Jack, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, like TCM, for me at least, has always just pretty much just been a portal. Like I don't have it at, like at my house per se, but like whenever I go on vacation or go to a hotel or something – I usually tune in just to see like what the hell are they showing and I've found some have found some eh on there before but a lot of times I've found just like movies that still like resonate resonate with me today that was how I got further into the Marx Brothers that was when I first saw A Night at the Opera on their channel and just to kind of erase that like just blind curated programming i think really hurts because like i mean i love streaming services as much as the next guy but the thing is that you know when you have everything at your disposal you know everything just kind of loses value like i was thinking about this recently and like i the times where i would go and like buy dvds and like that would be like all i watched like it would it might have been small yeah but it just like felt a lot more kind of like intimate and person like personal almost whereas like with everything there you know like if something doesn't interest you after 15 minutes you know on to the next thing so always having that just kind of like just the list of random things to check out i think really is just gonna leave a detriment or be a detriment to i think people getting into uh these old movies because we've been at this place before i'm sure and it's I think we all take it for granted just how easy it is to find a lot of these movies today. Cause I know filmmakers back in the sixties and seventies, you know, they had to go through six people just to get a shitty 16 millimeter print of like eight and a half or something like that. So I will, I will co-sign everything you just said before we go to Helmer. The, I found out for Hitchcock on TCM. So TCM mm-hmm. is very, very, very important to me. Um, I'm very happy that I, have prepared by buying literally everything on physical media, not with the expectation we'd ever lose CCM, but just the idea of like streaming services removing classics. I think this is one of the worst decisions Zaslov has, and in a in a in a year that he's made quite bad ones, this is probably the worst decision he's ever made. If we get rid of TCM, so I I hate this, but hopefully these guys Spielberg, Scorsese, and PTA do their due diligence. And- keep this afloat um i would say if tcm le- leaves criterion channel is just going to gain an insane amount of uh subscriptions with their catalog of old uh, hollywood uh helmer yeah you know i i agree with what both of you guys have said tcm's if maybe the most his- when it comes to historically important films the most important um specifically for american cinema there's nothing like it when it comes to kind of putting classic movies on kind of not a mainstream, but making it the vocal point of their service, even criterion collection, which is the service you could compare it to the most. Even that I wouldn't say like criterion collection doesn't have a focus on classic cinema. It's more like indie. And then, yeah, they do have a lot of classic stuff on there, but it's very, it's, it's very much different than DCM and which is saying something because that's like the main comparison you can draw. Um, And yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know the financials of how much they're most likely losing from uh, TCM, but I also 
can't I, I don't want to say that's a lot because <laughs> they're just showing movies it's not like they have big production set pieces with Ben Mankiewicz at like the fucking like Chinese theater in, uh, mm-hmm. in LA it's it's very kind of low-key and uh um and so I, I I don't know how much they're spending I would love to know that but, and, and honestly, they could probably okay. film all those openings that Ben and, and the rest of the team does in like a Bro, week. I can do it right now. Yeah. I can literally <laughs> just – it's not that hard. I mean, I love um, – but yeah, and I'm going to – a lot of the stuff they do, like they even have a TCM Fest every year. Yeah, I'm dying to go yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, and they're – whenever they have like a different st- – like a st- what is the month they do? Under uh, the stars? Su- Summer Under the Stars. So. Yeah, Summer mm-hmm. Under the Stars. November, Noir Alley. Um, and it's a shame because even the little amount of film watchers who want to be exposed to classic cinema, which isn't a lot, but even that small amount uh, with TCM being gone, that would just... It actually, in our, personal, in, in our personal lives, I think we could all attest, like, we talk a lot, the three of us, and we talk a lot with other folks, and it's very... What's the right word to put it's very evident how little classic film is seen by the majority of people in our circle. That's the nicest way to put it. And it's very, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because like I can, I, I can talk Jimmy Stewart with you and Jack and Hunter, but I can go to like any, a couple of people in our, in our, you know, our circle and be like, Hey, what's your favorite Jimmy Stewart movie? Who's Jimmy Stewart? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. and that's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. And it's also only 2023, right? I could see like 40, 50 years from mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Like names like Marlon Brando, it's going to be like, what the fuck is that? So. I mean, I, right now I have a, I see a lot. And I mean, we, we're we very, Jack and I, are, we don't hold back our love for The Godfather. But I see now a lot of people that haven't even seen The Godfather. And it's just like, that's like 101 in the top mm-hmm. like 10 first movies if you're really serious about this stuff that you should see. So it's just it's unfortunate. I really do hope that it's saved in the end, but I do have physical copies of everything, so I would stock up on Criterion and as many physical copies of old films as as you can until we lose it. So uh yeah, that wraps up all the news of the week. Let's get into what we watched. I mean, you've seen everything at the theater, right, Jack? There's like nothing <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, I mean, after a long eight-hour shift, the thing I want to do is stay and watch another two-and-a-half-hour movie. Uh, I, I did actually have a pretty good week, I will say. Um, did a little bit of a Wes Anderson runback, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, Darjeeling Limited, uh, French Dispatch, all of which still are great, in my opinion. Even Darjeeling Limited, while still, like, bottom three Wes Anderson for me, I still have a good time with that movie and i love his choices for the music there uh and that of course was what led to me seeing asteroid city this past weekend um and i've i've been thinking about it and i think my thing was i was initially kind of just like that's it when all was said and done um and i think that was maybe more so just because it was not the kind of movie that I was kind of expecting just based on his last like three, like three or so movies. Um, the one big constant and kind of thing that I really noticed wasn't there was a big presence from uh, uh, Alexander Desplat. Um, I mean, if you ever, ever since fantastic Mr. Fox, really they've worked together in his music. I mean, even in Moon- moonrise kingdom is more 
classical music drops that his score, but even the little bits he has is still really good. Um, so I've just kind of been thinking about it, and I do think that it was just not what I was expecting, and now I'm looking forward to going back and seeing it now with that predetermined idea of what it is I'm seeing, and I think it'll be less jarring on a rewatch. Uh, hmm. I watched... <laughs> I watched Double Dragon for the first time. Yes, let's go! Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Five stars? Five stars? Close. Two stars. Shit. Oh, damn. Um, damn. It, it, it really balanced the line of, <laughs> you know, I've got... There's a certain fall-off point where, like, fun cheese just becomes, like... Bad. Cringe-worthy cheese. And this was, like, tiptoeing it in, like, every way, shape, and form, pretty much. The acting was as bad as you'd expect it, but unfortunately there weren't enough, like, funny kind of line deliveries. A lot of them just came off really flat, you know? Like, a lot of, like, old horror <coughs> movies I know, like, you've shown me, like, a lot of 80s stuff. It's just, like, line delivery choices that make me laugh a lot. There was none of that really there, but... I mean, the action was over the top, so that at least has some value. And, you know, blonde Robert Patrick certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> what do you think of the creature? Oh, God. Uh, it, it really good effects. Not really a enticing thing to look at. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, anniversary <laughs> is next year, Jack. If we get the if we if we get this but not alien on the pod, I'm gonna be I'm gonna have some choice words about scheduling. Uh, 1994 anniversary for Double Dragon. Not exactly the movie I would have chosen for that. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 see. Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Double Dragon. Okay. Are we? Nah, we're not gonna touch Forrest Gump. Yeah, I'm, I'm not before the other two. I yeah, think. it's number four that lineup, but that's another conversation. For another. <laughs> Double dragon ahead. Uh, <clears throat> I have continued my quest to finish every Best Picture winner with gone with going my way. Uh, Bing Crosby's winner of 1944. It's cute. T.M. Dave Gonzalez. Um, had some wholesome moments here and there, but overall, definitely kind of felt like the pick-me-up kind of movie that would win Best Picture during World War II, um, and definitely just a general crowd-pleaser, I'd say. So nothing really, like, overtly negative to say about it, really, just... There. Really yeah. Um, Rewatched The Swimmer. We can touch a bit more on that whenever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold, hold your, hold your thought. Hold your thought. Okay, okay. We can discuss yeah. it. I'm glad Helmer's here for this. <laughs> that was the only reason why I decided to rewatch it after you did. I was like, you know what? Let's give him two, two reactions. Um, I rewatched Sunset Boulevard yesterday after watching a certain other noir for the first time, and it just kept me in the mood. I mean, still five out of five. Quite debatably, Billy Wilder's best movie, uh, I think. One movie of his, Some Like It Hot, still just inches in front of it, but it's very, it's razor close, I will say. Uh, and the movie that made me want to go and see it, again, The Sweet Smell of Success. Nice. First time watch for me, Out of the Fucking Park. What a movie. Uh, I also, I really 
I just decided to watch this after watching The Swimmer because, I mean, my Burt Lancaster resume is honestly kind of thin. I mean, like the dare you. The two, be- the two best things I'm working with right now are the swimmer and Field of Dreams. I added, I added something to his re- repertoire. I haven't added to Letterbox this morning, and it's was not good. Airport. Oh, I, that's one of those movies from that time where. <laughs> I, I, like- I did want to add to pre- to premise what we're gonna get into with the swimmer in a bit. I told Jack the swimmer feels like a David Lynch movie that he would make, but not as good. <laughs> that is a. Scene like Lynch <laughs> makes this movie, I am probably five stars without without a bullet. What would what what would be the big differences? He wouldn't like... he would have spent twenty five minutes with him in a blonde and him being creepy with her and and rubbing her feet and all that whatever happens with that girl. That's the best part. No, uh, that, that's <laughs> oh. the whole the whole. Do you have? He's like, I have a boyfriend, and he gets his mood completely shifts when he knows she you has know, a boyfriend. Neddy is a legendary cinematic character. You know, he's not morally black or white. He is just he. Is, there's a lot of history when he when you see him coming out of that you know that forest in the first kind of shot of the movie. There's history to Ned Merrill, and you just yeah. gotta you just gotta go with the flow. We'll uh, we'll talk about that in a in moment. Every pool is a different flow. So what what about anything else, Jack? Uh, no, that was a. All right, Helmer, do you have anything you want to highlight? Sure. So I also saw Asteroid City, very mid. Oh, my God. Um, I'm not the biggest Wes Anderson guy. Okay, so, so that makes sense. Kind of that... for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, I wasn't high on The Fresh Dispatch. I'm not even, like, high on the only movie I, movie I love from him are Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest. Yeah, I told so. a friend of mine that's not really big on him. I'm like, if you aren't big on him, this isn't the one that's going to change your Well, mind. actually, Royal Tenenbaums I really like. But recently, I haven't really loved any of his uh, – or at least I guess this is what was before French Dispatch? Was that uh, I love dogs. Dogs. dogs? Oh, I, I I haven't seen that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I didn't love Asteroid City. I saw No Hard Feelings, which predictably I liked more. Um, Jennifer Lawrence, honestly, a top three of her performances. Nice. She is really Ooh, okay. fucking good in the movie. Uh, and possibly my favorite performance of 2023, which is oh, wow. crazy to say. I know. I really loved her in this movie. She's really good, and the movie's a lot more heartfelt. Is it? It's not the funniest. It's one of those movies where it'll have like a really funny scenario, but the joke you think of in your head is a lot funnier than the joke that they say in the movie, which like it mm. happens a lot. Um, and but yeah, really enjoyable movie. I saw uh, Ten Rillington Place, which is a serial killer movie with um, Richard Attenborough. Mm. Um, the new movie I'm making is a serial killer movie, so I'm like, let me just try to watch as many of these. I've already watched a lot of them. Let me just add another one. My this friend, one was on my list. I have a lot of serial killer okay. movies if yes. you're interested. I, I, I need that list. Um, but yeah, it's a British serial killer movie about a real serial killer in the 1940s. The movie was made in 1971, directed by Richard Fleischer, who has a pretty spotty resume with me. Um, shit, I'm forgetting what he directed. I have to <laughs> give me a second. <laughs> Uh, because he's directed some movies I've seen. Uh, sorry. Yeah, he directed Conan the Destroyer, which I haven't seen. He directed uh, Soylent Green, which is all right. Uh, and he directed 20,000 20, Leagues Under the Sea, which I absolutely love. So, but yeah, it's an interesting movie. Um, and then what else did I see? I rewatched oh, last thing. I rewatched Sweet Smell of Success because Jack watched it. And I feel bad because you just hyped me up as a classics guy. And I promise I am. I think it's just good. 
which is a shit game because the swimmer is like a 6.5 star movie if i've ever seen one um and i just i just can't get into it i like it jack i like it a lot and i wish because i saw your review you said it was like an amazing script one of the best scripts ever and i was really hyped to get back into it because last time i saw it it was quite a long time ago and i just i just can't i just couldn't i don't know why i think it's a story with the sister and everything i just can't get behind yeah um, I, I i mean it I, I will say something I, it, yeah. it, it did fill a really nice void with succession being over and getting to yeah, watch yeah. terrible people doing terrible things. Yeah. Uh, I it, wish it, I could get behind you. Mm-hmm. Burt Lancaster, obviously one of my favorite actors. I just, I just like it. I, I wish I could love it, but I just like it. It's, I feel bad about it. It's one of those movies. I, mean, we, I think we all have those movies where you like, I, I think you, it, you I don't think even you're like you're ashamed of saying. AKA me with cuckoo's nest. Yeah, except you don't seem ashamed. You seem proud. Oh, I'm proud. I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I guess I'll start with the swimmer on my end. Uh, still at three point five. Still holding strong at three point five. Um, oh, I thought it was a three. No, I wanted to do three to get a reaction of Helmer, but I, I decided <laughs> to just stick a my three point five. Um, first thirty minutes are pretty like incredible for me. Yeah, I'm fully yeah. involved, and I said as soon as he meets that blonde, and it goes on for more than five minutes, I I don't need that anymore. So did you like the horse the horse part or the yeah? Race? That was my favorite <laughs> part. That was my favorite part. Where, yeah, favorite part. <laughs> it, it it became a little bit obnoxious after a while with her their their dynamic. I just didn't care for anything regarding her. Uh, then we get She's to only the only in it for like the second act. She she leaves. Why is she not there for two minutes and that's it? Well, yeah, I, I will, I, that that I do think was a little. They had her in the like they had her in the movie for like more than any of the other characters, and then like ended it. I feel like I and know. I I expected like even the first time when I watched, it, I'm like, okay, this girl's in it for a lot. I thought there would be a payoff to it, and there really isn't. She just leaves the movie, and then well, that's that's it. Like, okay, for his character arc, there is, and then the guy like because when when you start to realize where it's going with Ned. And you think he's a father figure to her, and then you realize, oh fuck! No, he's it's, it's more for his character. You realize it's a big realization for you. He's a deadbeat. That's essentially what he is. Don't spoil it. <laughs> he's guys. Ned Merrill. For everyone listening, Ned Merrill's not a deadbeat. He's a devoted husband. Yeah, father, that's, that's exactly that's exactly and what he is. Pillar of the Connecticut community. Um, what else? So I saw this Helmer and I will be in agreement on. I saw Breakdown for the first time. That movie mm-hmm. is pretty damn great. Absolute fire. I feel like Helmer loves it so much because I saw Kurt Russell's attire and it it's very yeah, Helmer esque. During my review, I mentioned it in like the first paragraph. <laughs> I feel like he would definitely wear that to any outing, so it, it made perfect sense. I said sense. that in my review. That's oh. fucking crazy. I said that. I wrote it in my first paragraph. Um <laughs> Loved it. Jack, it's very, very fun. Extremely fun movie. Uh, Mystic Pizza saw for the first time. Surprisingly did not think it was that great. Um, Saw Bronx Tale uh, with Bobby De Niro and Chaz Palminteri there, which is awesome. Uh, Like Jack, we are are on our way in a couple of months for our best picture tiers. So I saw Out of Africa for the first time, and I promise you I will never watch that movie ever again. It is awesome. A fucking chore it is boring it is and knowing that back to the future exists and that movie yeah I, I, i'll get off my high horse uh saw the mission impossible movies in pre- preparation for uh 
Tuesday. Uh, Splendid. Uh, Another thing Helmer and I will... Actually, I'm going to save this one for last because I actually want to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, Saw Giant. Still great. Uh, Saw The Fugitive, which we're going to talk about. I saw... Hunter's not here, but I saw an over three-hour movie this week. (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't one. I saw I saw this on your letterbox, and I was like, "Wait, this is three hours? Three hours and ten minutes, my friend. This movie is so, 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 so good. I absolutely loved it. Uh, it's called Blood In, Blood Out. It's basically a true life experience of three Mexicans, Mex- young Mexicans, and how their life trajectory moves through a ten year period." Uh, I I loved it. It's really good. It got there's a very long history with this movie. There was a marketing setup for it, and during a test screen, like this brawl brawl uh, broke out, and it kind of killed the release of the movie. The movie barely made like I don't even think it made like five million dollars on a thirty million dollar budget. Um, but I I loved it. I don't know how you guys would feel, but I I really did enjoy it. Um, some '90s rare '90s horror love for me. I saw Demon Knight. Tales from the Crypt, which was uh, fun. And then really, really wish I saw this earlier. But Tales from the Hood is... Oh, I need to see that. It's really good. Abs- it's, it's a horror anthology, and I'm not really too big on horror anthologies, but I think this one works really well. Bad VFX at the end, but you can forgive it. It's 1995. Um, anything else? Uh... Oh, Saw Summertime, which Helmer hyped up way too much. It's fine. Oi. It's Oi. fine. What is wrong with you? It's fine. It's cute. It's in so the summer good. too. Three four. You like if you don't like brief encounter, like there might actually be something clinically wrong. Three point five. But Strong three point five on. It's on amazing. Um, you didn't even feel like the vibes. It's yeah, like, it made me it. feel like I would feel if I was in Disney World by myself. Did you? <laughs> you're not even like the male lead. He, he seems like something you, someone you'd connect to. Nah, he seems like he was. I'm not going to spoil what I feel. We'll, we'll talk. I don't want to spoil it since I spoiled another movie. Um, I'm not a fan wait, of wait, him. Sorry, before we leave, hot yeah. take. That's my favorite Catherine Hepburn movie. Oh, my God. Jack- She's not like one of my favorite actresses. I'm not huge on her, but that is my favorite. Ay, ay, ay. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, this one we all will agree. And I, I saw Hard Day's Night for the first time. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't it's even inter- get I don't get the it- premise. <laughs> Yeah, neither do I. I mean, it's incredible. Like you, like you mentioned perfectly in your review, getting to see, you know, young, pretty much prime Beatles, just like getting to do their thing and like have a blast doing it. It's pretty awesome. Deserves its criterion release, no doubt. But maybe the, probably the peak of their movies, they've made a few and it's probably not saying a ton. Have you seen any of their other no. movies? Yellow Submarine? No. No. The only reason I got this on Criterion was because it was Criterion Blind Buy, and it was. Yeah. I was told it was a narrative. It wasn't just like. It is not in. It is not in. Yeah, narrative. I was gonna say I don't. Yeah, just wait. It, lose at poker again. You might have to watch Help. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the Beatles in a jewel heist. What could go wrong there? Nothing at all. Ah. Uh, and then some shows before we get I get to my final movie. Uh, I finished Entourage, which I am still waiting for these two friends of mine to actually watch. Uh, saw the whole show and the Entourage movie. So I don't know what you guys are waiting for because I know you guys <laughs> are going to love this show when you actually get on it. Especially Helmer was g- going to love the character of Ari Gold more than he. I think Ari Gold, if Helmer finally dives in, will be a top five, six TV character for him of all time. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guarantee it. Uh, and then I saw some silent films from Buster, no, uh, Harold Lloyd. Uh, Ooh, nice. A Gasoline Wedding from 1918 and Over the Fence from 1917. And finally, uh, the only five-star movie outside of the one they were going to cover uh, that I saw this week is A Blind Spot, uh, John Frankenheimer Seconds, starring Rock Hudson. Um I I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna go off on, too much on a rant about this. But Rock Hudson in this movie is just un unlike anything he's ever done before. He's da- downright incredible. It's the best performance he's ever had. It's a it's an extended. It feels like an extended episode of the Twilight Zone with just the shock and awe that you get at watching an episode at the end of this movie with its final ten minutes. Uh I even didn't mind the middle. I see some of the letterbox reviews. We're kind of shitting on the middle portion, and I thought that was perfectly fine too. Uh, I love this movie; I thought it's phenomenal. Uh, Jack, you need to get on that. Like, absolutely need to get on that. You said it was called Seconds. Seconds. Do you know what the premise is? It's one of. Yeah. No, I do not. So essentially, this man gets an opportunity to get a essentially a new life, new body, new fingerprints, new teeth, new voice, everything. And this old man has the procedure, and that's where Rock Hudson comes into play as this new man. Oh, wow. Ooh. I'm, I'm reading it's, a premise now. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to put this on the priority list. It's one of the most underappreciated movies of all time, in my opinion. I have no idea why it's not as kind of even revered within classic circles. It's not like it comes up a lot. Um, and also the direction is insane. Like some of the some of the imagery in this movie, some of the stuff Frankenheimer does. I'm not I've never been a huge fan of his, um, but it's just so great to look at. The black and white cinematography in '66 specifically, when I think black and white was kind of at its peak, was just superb. And there's some intense close-ups in this movie on Hudson that are spellbinding. I, I think you'd really like it, uh, Jack. Uh, and then, like I said, Entourage and the Golden Girls I'm watching now, too. So that's pretty much it for me. Uh, all right, so let's get to why we're here. Uh, 30th anniversary of The Fugitive. Uh, Jack, usually we kick it off with uh, a little bit backstory on this. So did you know that The Fugitive is based on a 1960s television series of the same name? I did, and I also know that this is considered one of the all-timer adaptations of a tv show i know many i many many consider this to be superior and i mean honestly you could say both for that matter are kind of almost becoming underrated uh, underrated at this point i don't think the fugitive has like the same kind of general groundswell as like a lot of other action movies from the 80s say something like die hard per se which came out really right around like the same time but just about yeah i agree but uh first time watching this week go ahead and cook what are your thoughts yeah i kept you guys somewhat in the dark in regards to my thoughts but i did like it i did like it quite a bit um this is definitely the end of peak harrison ford I would say the 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 swan song to his monster run that was what like 70 seventeen years, five, yeah, seventy five to ninety four essentially. If you Air were... Force One, excuse me. Wow, well, 
Yeah, Air Force One Air Force is elite. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, so it goes in there. Okay, I was gonna say that seems like the like it's still and, good. Uh, his Jack Ryan movies as well. I haven't seen them, but they're pretty kind of they're well known at least. Well, well, this this was definitely the end of him being like the number one guy at the box office because this was when yeah. Hanks, I think, really just kind of took his spot and moved on. But no, I think the the movie is really really exciting i think and it did a really good job of holding me throughout the runtime which i think two hour plus action movies is can be a hard sell at times especially it just depends on you know how unique of an action movie are you going with here but i think the set pieces all just did a really good job of differentiating themselves and there was just really good like tension throughout and just kind of the way that the story almost unfolds backwards um and just how you get these little snippets of information as the movie goes on, I think does a really good job of keeping um, keeping the attention there. And I think you might have, one of you two might have mentioned it, but it's just kind of like one of those, feels like one of those TV rewatchables where it's just so like kind of just tight and there's so many good moments that like you can come in like at any point and then you just like watch the next block of like 40 minutes or so. This movie used to play when I was a kid all the damn time on mm-hmm. television like all the time yeah uh, uh, for me all right helmer what what are you uh i know this wasn't your first time this week but uh thoughts on or do you remember the first time you saw this no i do so i've watched this movie like at least four or five times like kind of dave briefly mentioned even i'm 21 years old now i i don't remember the first time i saw it but it's one of those movies where it's always on. It's always on either HBO or Stars or one of like FX or whatever. So I've seen it so many times, and it's a movie you can just pop on at any point and be very kind of thrilled. Um, but yeah, this is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, the ni- 90s thrillers are something I've been getting more into like last year or so. And yeah, this movie's basically perfect to me. Um, and it's good to see it gets a lot more attention from at least the people I know because obviously it's easy for it to get overshadowed by stuff like Indiana Jones and Star Wars. But this is one of my favorite thrillers. I think it's incredibly smart. I think it's, yeah, it's uh, it's a movie. When I first saw it, I was just in awe because I didn't expect anything from it. And then I just went crazy over it. And then I saw it again. And again, I just love it even more. I go back to it. Yeah, I'm, so, yeah. I, I'm with you. Uh, for me, I actually do remember a little bit about my first time receiving it my mom bought it as a vhs for herself and i was actually allowed to see it and yeah i instantly loved it and i guess i called it a child classic until i got older and shocked to find out like how critically beloved this movie was to the point that it was nominated for best picture like when i started getting into the oscars and stuff i was like oh my god this is actually pretty fucking awesome a movie like this is nominated for best picture uh nowadays who knows where this movie would be which is discussion in itself but yeah i i'm with helmer this is i don't find anything wrong with this movie i think this movie is perfect from casting everything there's maybe one or two things maybe we could do here and ter- it, it, it hypothetically but if we really look at it, i think everything pretty much works for me here uh all right let's get into the production of the movie so harrison ford was not originally cast for the role of dr richard kimball we were looking at a couple of actors here alec baldwin nick nolte Kevin Costner and Michael Douglas. Um, no, no, 
Costner's the only one that I could like kind of somewhat see, Ooh. but e- but even still, I I think Harrison Ford was at that right. I but, disagree with you. Like I love the movie, but I could see Michael Douglas in there. I could see. I'm not huge on Nick Nolte or Kevin Costner. I mean, maybe, but Mike uh, Michael Douglas for sure. And what was the first name you? Uh, you Alec Baldwin. Honestly, at that time, Alec Baldwin was at his mm-hmm. peak. I th- I could like he that was Glenn Gary Glenn Ross Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I, I guess that. that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I just love him in this role, so I think it kind of works out for works mm-hmm. out too as this like older ex- distinguished yeah. doctor. And uh, Ford actually just recently did an interview uh, regarding this movie with the Hollywood Reporter, where he said he actually pursued the role due to his liking to play characters who aren't like him, and in addition to actually his desire to grow a beard or mustache for a role. Uh, which Warner Brothers chairman Robert A. Daly at the time often denied due to, quote-unquote, paying to see his face unchanged for all his movies. Um, although the role of San Gerard went to Tommy Lee Jones, this one I think I think we're, we nailed this because Gene Hackman and John Voight were considered for the role. I don't know. I, I, I think this screams Tommy Lee Jones. I, Hack, Hackman, though... I, I John Voight, you're right. I, I don't think John Voight would have really. I, I I could see Hackman though. I could. He, I think he. I mean, maybe like some like kind of like line deliveries. I feel like might play a little bit off of Popeye and French Connection. Um, but I mean, I think they're both. I mean, I love Tommy Lee Jones, and I'm definitely happy that like we got him. But I definitely want to turn my nose up at um, the Hackman role, and I mean. Sir, I mean, Dave. Do you think you might have liked that more than, uh, more than Superman? <laughs> no, but I just thought of Al Pacino in this role right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna come up with sometime. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I, I'm pretty. I'm not. I, I like Gene Hackman. I'm not as big on him as you guys are. So I guess I'm pretty happy with how we turned out here. Um. Any thoughts on what could have been Helmer on this, or you're good on that? Um, I, I love Gene Hackman a lot, but I also think Jack hit the nail on the head. Um, the line delivery for the character is so incredibly important. I'm sure we'll go into it. And I think that's something that's so in tune with what Tommy Lee Jones is able to do. And it's so specific that I can't really imagine anyone else for this specific character. Yeah, I, I also agree. Uh, all right, yeah, so filming began in February of that year, wrapped in mid-May, and given Ford's limited window of availability, uh, Davis only had 10 weeks to edit, mix, finish the film between last day of shooting and the day it actually opened in theaters, which was July 29th, 1993, uh, in L.A., and then the U.S. premiere was August 6th, 1993. The movie was budgeted at $44 million and grossed $368.9 million, a movie like this does not make that doesn't even come close to this in 2023. Um, going into its trophy case, the movie is 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was nominated for the following Oscars. Best Picture, Supporting Actor, Cinematography, Film Editing, Original Score, Best Sound, Best Sound Editing. Now, you kind of nailed it, Jack, when we were talking off the line. I was like, oh, damn, it sucks it only wins, only wins one Oscar, but Jurassic Park was there, so there's no way it had that, to change. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ab- above the line, you got to worry about Schindler's List. Below the line, you got to worry about Jurassic Park. So, I mean... I did make the case 
Helmer, and you may disagree because I think you're bigger on this than Jack and I. In 92, this movie wins Best Picture over Unforgiven. I like this more than Unforgiven. I think Unforgiven was like a, I think it was a complete wrecking ball that year. So I don't think it would have stopped it. Yeah. Remotely, but, um, yeah. Now, I guess we can talk about the actual win here. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones wins for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, I used to be very. It's not close with him and Fines for Schindler's List. After rewatching it this week, I see where the Academy fell in love with this performance. Uh, well, I still give it to Fines, yeah, but I I see it a little bit more now. Jack, thoughts? I'm 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 still a bit more over on the. I'm still a bit more over on the. Um pro finds over Tommy Lee Jones. He's still good. The nomination itself, I think, was already just crazy. I mean, like action movies, obviously we know have never really been the biggest selling item when it comes to the Oscars. So to see, again, not only him win, but it get into picture, I think was just really a testament like to its craft and everything. Um, and I, I know a lot of people have kind of there are some that think maybe Leo should have won that year for Gilbert Grape, but I, I I do think it was a Jones v. Fines, quite frankly. Yeah, I agree. And Helmer, how do you feel? Yeah, it's it's tough. I think I definitely like Ray Fines more, but at the same time, um, I would have been fine with either of these wins, to be honest. I think they're both very different performances, but it's it's one of those that it's kind of they're both so legendary that and also i feel like even though ray fines lost the oscar his performance is kind of been so acclaimed that it doesn't matter too much i think he'll eventually win one so uh, yeah for sure um i know you guys are fans of the mtv movie awards this movie also won best on-screen duo and best action sequence for the train wreck it was also Wait, on- best on-screen duo yeah hit uh tommy lee jones yeah. and harrison ford Harrison Ford and his wife. <laughs> oh, I was like, what is it? Tommy Lee Jones and Joey Pants? <laughs> um, AFI, we love our AFI list. 100 Years, 100 Thrills, number 33. Fitting. Jeez. I, I didn't realize it was that high because that list came out like seven years after, something like that. Dang, impressive. Yeah. Very good job. Maybe should have been a little higher. Maybe top twenty-five when we think about it. Hitchcock owns like twenty of those movies. Yeah, I was gonna so. say Hitchcock has like nine movies in there, something like that. It's crazy. Uh, moving on to Maestro's Corner, I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on this because I actually uh, James Newton Howard composed a score. I really find the score highly effective. I think the score works very very well. Um, he actually noted Howard had a difficult time scoring the film, recalling that the fugitive really kicked my ass when I was hired for it. I was terrified. He became more despondent after listening to Jerry Goldsmith's work because Jerry Goldsmith was actually originally, or as always, I, for some reason I feel like he's we always. We literally we literally talked about this last week. Yeah, he's like, always. I'm pretty sure he was on tap for Superman. Um, Howard wasn't confident that he could couldn't match the quality of temporary cues that Goldsmith had done. Uh, eventually, coming with the score that we ended up with, I I like the score a lot. I think it works really well with the actual subtext of the film. Uh, Jack, thoughts? I, I I think it does too. Um, I'm a, I was a big fan of just kind of like the soft kind of percussion that they used a lot throughout. It just kind of added to like the 
like the subtle tension almost or like it's there but like the music is just like so kind of dialed back that it's just enough to give you like the vibe but never like over like overstays its welcome and like takes away the focus from what's actually going on but what about you yeah Albert? no yeah i like this one i don't think i have anything unique to say but it serves its purpose Mm-hmm. They're definitely not one that like I would go to Spotify and listen to like on the way to work or something. But with the with the movie and everything that goes on on screen, it it's sort of like the perfect backing track, which is what I think they should do. This actually was released by. I, I, the reason I noted this is because I've never heard of this and I was buying tapes and CDs at the time. I've never heard of this record label. Electra Records released a score to this movie on a two disc CD. Wow. I've never heard of any record label. So oh, Helmer. Know. You're so... Um, all right. Let's get into the fun stuff here. Jack, I'll kick it off with you. What's age the best? All right. Um, so I don't have a ton of stuff here. Not that I did not find a lot of stuff to be good. Just my initial thoughts. So obviously, I think the light, the lightning pacing of the whole movie... I mean, it doesn't really have a slow moment, I don't think. And just the constant kind of unfolding of things is really, really effective when it comes to keeping you hooked. Um, the different set pieces, one of the things that I admire most about um, some of my favorite action movies, like um, like Die Hard or Indi- Indiana Jones, for example, you, like it's so easy to describe like the action scenes, you know, whereas instead of having to get all specific with like, oh, the shootout here and the shootout there and all that, it's just like, oh yeah, the truck chase or yeah, the bar fight and that kind of stuff. So like the parade, the dam, the train track, just very easy to differentiate these set pieces and they're all unique in their own stakes. Um, kind of building off the parade uh, as a enjoyer of the Chicago area. I think the Green River for the St. Patrick's Day Parade is a very, very nice touch. Uh, It's one of the things that I've always heard about, and so getting to see it on film uh, was a very, very nice little treat. Um, And then, yeah, that's about all. All right. What do you got, Helmer, if anything? Yeah, I think just the way the narrative plays out, I think it definitely still holds up. It's still a very smart movie. Uh, the how obviously because things have changed since now in 1993. Um, I still think how he was able to maneuver his way, uh, kind of away from police. I think you could still apply that to today's standards. I also think the effects, like we mentioned briefly, the train sequence is phenomenal. Um, I think when he is he, when he jumps off the dam. I think all of that. Uh, yeah, I agree. So I'm I'm with you both. Uh, I put movie adaptations of TV show because following this, we get mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, and that pretty much, I think, the standard of TV shows to film adaptations. Unless you think of anything else, Jack. I can think of one, but I'll save it for when we get to Peaks and Valleys. Sounds good. I, Helmer mentioned the ex- escape train sequence. I think that's w- phenomenal. Um, Harrison Ford's one-two punch delivery in movies. So we get in 1981, we get I Love You, I Know. And now in 1993, we get I Didn't Kill My Wife, I Don't Care. 
Just wanted to throw Ooh, that out there. Good one. Um, the whole Kimball on the run, which is like the second half of the movie, I think it just works so well. Just seeing him go from location to location, figuring things out, I just think it works well in terms of not just a thriller at his own, but like an investigative procedural movie as what he's doing throughout to find out who really killed his wife uh, really well. Uh, what's age the worst? Okay. Mid-budget dramas making money at the box office? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, mid mid budget dramas actually getting theatrical releases and not direct to streaming releases. Uh Chicago Police Department, they're fucking incompetent in this movie. Yeah, there there were there were some call there were some close calls that I was like, okay, I I, I don't I don't get that one. Like you just like saw like the whole like badge thing at like the hospital. Like there was a point to which I was like, geez, like. Like, I, it can't be that stupid. <laughs> and the whole like, listen, I, the, I was really perturbed when the whole. I think it was yeah, it was Tommy Lee Jones and one of the cops from Chicago where he's like, oh, he killed his wife to get her inheritance. And then Tommy Lee Jones was like, but he's you know he has money. He's a doctor. He's like, well, mm-hmm. he can get more money. I'm like, really? You're a cop? Uh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um. And then what else? What else? What else? Um, uh, oh yeah, Harrison Ford not being nominated for Best Actor and and at the Academy Awards. I think he should yeah, be nominated. Really, really bizarre, just considering the overall you know popularity of the movie. Like it's crazy that like the Fugitive got into Best Picture, but like they didn't nominate the titular Fugitive for Best Actor. So for sure. All right. Uh, what do you got, Jack? If any. Um, just a couple things, some stuff that you touched on already. Uh, gotta say, the the titles font seems like it was used. Like I don't know, like it it seems like the exact same one that was used for Die Hard's opening titles. <laughs> just like the blue and white kind mm-hmm. of big text. Um, so I saw that and I was just like, oh no, it's not gonna be like an actual cheese fest, is it? But ended up looking out. Um, and then I will say. You you mentioned this. I I do think a couple shots were like, oh, that's a dummy. Like the hair, like that one little cut. There was like one little shot after Harrison jumps off, and it's like very. It was kind of obviously a dummy, but like the whole build up to it all and all that was still worth it. So it was kind of more just like a than like oh, it just like ruined the movie for me. Um, and then. I'll save that for later. All right. Uh, Helmer, do you have anything? Yeah. So, I don't know. If I say this, it'll make me not, like... I'll try not to make, like, like have this deter my love for the movie. But the fact that it seems like they did barely any investigation into Harrison or Dr. Richard Kimball's yeah. uh, plea mm-hmm. has not given The fact that they didn't make the connection between him and the one-armed man, obviously, because he... I mean, he did it in, like, two seconds. Uh, it doesn't take too long, just like filter. Uh, and also they didn't really mention that the, at least maybe, maybe they did. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but the, was it the pill that, that, that was that caused the, yeah, that caused the yeah, liver damage, caused the liver yeah. damage mm-hmm. or something. They, the fact that they didn't make that connection earlier, I found out it's like, they didn't mention it until midway through the movie and made it into the big plot point. Um, so then the fact they didn't make that connection and, uh, and yeah, it seems like it was like a the trial was like a week long, and, and the jury was just like, "Well, obviously he's guilty." 
I always, a, I, I always, Yankees game to go to, guys. There so you go. There you go. Maybe <laughs> you know what? You know what, Jack? I, I, I buy it. If he had a Yankee yeah, or a he, Cubs he, game, he, a Cubs he, game. He, 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 yeah, let's see. I was gonna say, what was that like? Ninety-one, ninety-two Yankees. How are they looking that year? Terrible. So it didn't okay, even okay. have got a. <laughs> so maybe he was a Mets fan. Who knows? It is interesting it though. Chicago, like it was Chicago, right? So oh, it'd be so the Cubs or the White Cubs. Cubs. Yeah. yeah. Right, it, right. It's true what you said though. I always, I always shake my head when he's getting like interrogated right at the beginning of the movie, and he's and they just kind of sarcastically poke fun at the fact that he said a one-armed man did all this. Like, yeah. bro, do the fucking investigation. The guy just came in. Do the work. Speaking of which, we might speak about this man later, but the one-armed man himself wearing uh, yes, a trench coat I will be talking about wherever he goes. Um, not sure, but it's the best way to hide his motives. Big goth on his shoulders yeah, becomes say, like 50 well... times as big. <laughs> but... Even when he's like carried into the police car at the end, he's wearing the same trench coat. I I will be mentioning so. him shortly. I promise you that. Uh, <laughs> all right, cool. So let's get into some of these categories here. Jill Spinell, that guy award, Mister Renault. What do you got here? Honestly, I I went through the cast and it was honestly just a bunch of like people that I either like really knew or people that like I've had like no clue, like as to like who they were. So. If I had to answer, I mean, Pantoliano probably would have been my answer Joey like Pants, three yeah. three years ago. But I mean, like Risky Business, Sopranos, this, uh, Goonies, like he's just been in a lot of Matrix. He's just been in a lot of stuff that I know and has been on my radar and rewatch rotation now for years. So he he's Joey Pants. He's no longer. Oh, it's the guy from the Goonies. All right. What do you do? You have anything here, Helmer? Oh, I have three potential ones. I can only say one though, so I'm only gonna say. How about say my... say yours, and if I don't say any of the other two, you can bring them up. Okay, cool. So I have Drone Crab as Dr. Charles Nichols, aka the '93 version of Christoph Waltz. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about he that. was like, did anyone not notice that he was literally like the same person <laughs> yeah. as the line? It was the line crazy delivery. how similar they were. His like slight accent and his always like his fake good intentions, similar to Hans Landa. Um, yeah, so that's my. He was just also I don't know I don't know something about the accent, something about him, you know, just being like, oh, Doctor Doctor Kimball. Doctor. And then when he sees him in the car, and he's like, yeah yeah yeah, I'll give you the money. I don't know, I don't know something about him. All right, I have. Jack will appreciate this because he has no idea who this man is. I have Daniel Roebuck. So oh, Daniel Ro- Daniel Roebuck is a regular on season four and on of Matlock. Of course he is. Yeah, Letterbox doesn't show TV shows. Otherwise, I would have seen this coming. But he's also <laughs> like on a lot of – he's that guy in a lot of movies. He was just in the Munsters last year, actually. He plays the grandfather in the Munsters. Oh, Rob's wow. Movie. Uh, oh, okay. Great big, wow, his big, career took off. <laughs> big TV actor, though. He's been in a lot of TV. But yeah, Matlock, like, it's the guy for Matlock. That's my guy. I met him last year, and I, like, everyone's like, everyone that would speak to him was, like, praising him on, like, his other stuff that they like of him. And I'm like, hey, bro, like, you're fucking rocking Matlock. And he's like, you're a little young for that show. I'm like, I know, but Matlock fucking rocks. Uh, so we talked for, like, a good five, ten minutes, and really, really nice guy. Um, here we go. Here comes the one-armed man. Al, uh, Al Martino. Oh, yeah. Who are your other two? Who are your other two? Well, you just mentioned him. Okay. You just Danny mentioned Roebuck. Him. 
Go ahead. No, 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 not him. You were about, you were just talking about him. Oh, yeah. Mr. Andreas Casales. What do you know him from? Yeah, I was gonna say, bro. I have no idea. <laughs> I just know he has that type of face where you look <laughs> at him and you go, "Man, this guy is guilty as shit." Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. He yeah. has the body. It's the costume too. Oh my god. Who wins in the costume contest, uh, Jack? One black turtleneck guy or one arm man? I don't know. I mean, one or er, Busetta does have the trench coat and the turtleneck and so, the hat. Yeah, and the hat. So he's kind of rocking the whole the whole deal there. Yeah, uh, I, I'll give you that. He wins. We, we need to see the one arm man in the turtle coat, then or a, a, a turtleneck. That'll make my choice, bro. He's like in his house, and the police are investigating him. He's like, guys, I told you, I, I didn't do this, you know. <laughs> and then there's that amazing scene in the subway. There's that shot where it's like we're going dolly forward through the subway, and then the man just comes out of nowhere. Do you remember that? He yes. just like comes out of nowhere, and <sighs> just like walking towards you. I'm like, holy shit, where did you come from? How did I not see you? You're like seven thousand feet tall. Uh, un- uh, unfortunately for Mr. Andreas Kutsalis, he is actually my pick for the Al Martino Miscast Award. I want. Oh, oh. I want to throw. A, I want to throw a name at you. I want to see what you guys think. Close your eyes, take it back to 1993, and put John Totoro in that role. Hmm. No, nah. He doesn't have the build. He's... Yeah, he's too... He... Yeah, that, that, that's kind of a good point. It also, so it's like, we're not looking... John Turturro is a character actor. We're not looking for that much from the one-armed man. We're looking for, like, the bare minimum here. I feel like Helmer's going to find them for his, for his next movie. If he's still alive, he's going to cast them. Is he still them. alive? I don't know. You, 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 you want to know, know the Dave pick? His what? jawline is insane. Frank Silva. Twin Peaks. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, oh, wait, is, there, is there no, a Twin Peaks character? Hold on. Is, is there a Twin Peaks actor we could draft in here? Because they have their own one-armed man, but I don't think that's the one. I think. I'm, wait, Frank sorry, Silva's yeah. Bob. I know. Well, I, I said that, and then I realized I was like, oh yeah, let's get the, all Twin Peaks in there. The the one-armed man from there is hmm, damn. He's too short. Yeah, yeah. He's too short. That's the only thing I would say. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything here, Jack? Um, honestly, no. Because, like, like I mentioned, I mean, like, only like, I feel like only a handful of characters really have like a significant amount of time to where I would be like, really have like something to say. And like the smaller characters, you know, they're in the movie for so little. I don't feel the need to, you know, go about recasting them. But out of, I mean, Ford, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Joey Pants, and then I, the one-armed man actor, I guess. I Everyone kind of did their job out of the big leads. I assume, Helmer, you agree? I agree. All right. Also, except for one guy. Oh. The actors. It's a character that really gets under my skin. Which one? Newman. A.K.A. Uh, the ponytail. Or man bun. Oh, Ooh. I like him. I like him. Bitching. When Tommy Lee Jones saves his life, the man says, oh, I can't hear out of one ear. Shut up. You just <laughs> saved your life. You were about to get shot. And you're bitching about being deaf momentarily in one ear? Let's I, calm down. I guess that's let's, a good point. I did down, like him, though. Boyo. Um, this one, I think, should be... Actually, Jack, do you have anything for 
the Maurice Jouar music moment of the film? Ooh, um, what do you what do you have? Uh, there's a couple things I'm I'm thinking about. I want I want to hear what you have to say because you you might sway me in a certain direction. Honestly, it's very subtle and minimal, but I do like how the score is used at the end, where uh, he takes off his handcuffs and it's just them just shooting the shit in the car. It's very that's, subtle, but I really like how that. One. I really like I, how I, that, the score works. I there. do really. There's a couple moments where it's like this, but they're like I, like the scene in like the operating room. I think is where it is. It's just like that's where it's like the low kind of just like pulsating percussion, just kind of as he continues to like make his moves and like you, we never know what he is doing. We just like see it unfold. So it does a really good job of kind of just keeping you like locked in, wondering what he's going to do. For sure, and. Helmer, do you have anything? I don't think I can think any off the top of my head. The music was just very consistent, but I can't think of any moment. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right, these next two should be, we should run through these quick. Six Man of the Film, Tommy Lee Jones, do you have anything else? A supporting player? Yeah. Um... I, I, I mean, kind of what I said with, like, miscast. I mean, there's only, like, a few people who there's Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, and then like two or so others. And then everyone else is kind of more so just like bit players who are in like five, 10, 15 minutes of the movie of that. Um, I mean, part of me wants to say Pantoliano again. Um, with Tommy okay. Lee Jones, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's in it too much is the thing. Cause like, it's well, very he won much best supporting like a, actor. So I think we well, can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Okay. Yeah, in the technical terms, yes. But I've always cut. Kind of, it's like, I don't know. He just feels like too prominent of the move in the movie for me to be like, oh yeah, like Helmer's for, what, a, for what I usually vote for. Helmer is gonna pop off with the one armed man right now. I feel it. So the one armed man. I know. Tommy Lee Jones. And then the Becky O'Shea Icebox MVP of the film, Mr. Ford. It's, yeah. Definitely not his wife because she ratted him out at the end and fucked the whole thing up. <laughs> well, wait, see, that's a. All right, going back to the trial, even me, like, I'm not on the jury, I'm not a fucking lawyer. She's dying, and you hear the pause on Richard, comma, they're trying to kill me. Not Richard is trying to kill me. You hear it in, like, her, her audio tape, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, yo, this fucking jury really didn't have a Yankee game to it. They must, have, they must have all had, like, gunshots right behind the ears, like, right I mean, this is 93. Court. When did OJ, when was OJ verdict? 95. So it's, you know, understandable. Alrighty. Peaks and Valley. Alright, Mr. Vernola, I always like to ask you these questions before we hand it off to everyone else. Is this the peak for hospitals and f- movies? I say no, and I already have my pick for that. Is your pick the Dark Knight? My pick is the Godfather. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. That's my that that's like a top three sequence in that movie for me without question. So I'm, I'm with disagrees you. Disagrees with, with us you. here. I, 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 sorry, I don't have my like, my top ten hospital moments <laughs> in movies with me. Here's a here's a good one. This here's one that I think Helmer might know or might enjoy. Jack, is this the peak for one armed men in film? In film, yeah, I was going to say, if we're talking everything, then Twin you're going to have to factor Twin Peaks. So I'm that. actually still going to say no, because Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me exists, and he is in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, so I'm going to say no. I assume Helmer will say yes. Is this the peak for prosthetic arms in life? 
Um, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say yes. Oh, mm, <laughs> good uh, one. Good one. Is this, Come on, guys. Is this the peak for Andrew Davis, the director of the film? I say yes because yes I've never heard. I've never seen. But second place, found second out place is holes. Movie. Second place is holes. He directed. <laughs> wait, he directed the Shia LaBeouf movie Holes. He did indeed. Oh shoot! What else did he say, Helmer? He directed Under Siege, which I've never seen. Oh, Under Siege is good. Under Siege is solid. Yeah, I actually. Yeah, I do not know who this guy is. So, is this his the... IMDb picture? Looks like it, it's very grainy too. So, is this the peak, Jack, of yellow and green prison jumpsuits? Yellow and green, like the Packers. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like what, like at the beginning I, of the, I guess when I Richard know. was in the, when they get uh, taken in the in the uh, the the van, the the bus, they have green and yellow jumpsuits. I say yes because I've never seen seen them yeah, since. Yeah, I was gonna say it gets it by de facto. I guess is this the peak for train crashes in film, or is it greatest show on earth? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Super Eight. Super Eight is my winner. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I get some. I have some issues with that movie later on, but I mean, thirteen-year-old me seeing that train crash, like, damn. All right, Spielberg in the house. <laughs> Helmer, is this the peak for movies in Chicago? No, no. I know what the answer is. I say no. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, what else? Is Ferris there? Bueller's Day Ferris Off. Bueller. <laughs> oh no, this is better than that. Oh my god! Oh my god! god. I thought this was about how much we love The Fugitive. This is, so but it's not better. It's not peak better than Ferris peak Bueller's Day Off. Peak use of Chicago. Let's see. Um, well, I'd say those are. Ferris I think these Bueller's are the. I, I do think these are the top two though, because Home Alone really doesn't make use of the city of I, Chicago, so it doesn't. I'll, I'll say three. It's it's my three because I'll I'll put Hoop Dreams up there too. That's a documentary, Hoop. Jack. Oh, but it's still it's still a Chicago movie. It's still like a movie that takes place in Chicago. So. The Last Dance. I'd like to. <laughs> then I'll go with the then I'll go with the Last Dance like Helmer too. Um, we already said hospitals. Is this the peak for jumping into a watery grave but surviving in movies? They live in Butch Cassidy, so I'm going to say that. I'm going to say Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> I'm gonna say Fast X. Oh shit! That is. Oh, we don't know that yet, Helmer. We don't know that. That's true. Uh, and then finally, no, that's it. Do you uh, do you have anything, Jack? Uh, you missed. Well, well, there's one that is kind of just like a great. I, I, I mean, it's not the peak of his performance, but like I kind of mentioned it earlier, this was like you know, the last like big successful like hoorah that unkillable Harrison Ford run. Air Force One did come after, I think, but I mean, Best Picture nominee and all of that, I think, is a good. It's his. Uh, I believe I have that in my notes, my fun facts for, but I'll just bring it up now. This is the last movie Harrison Ford starred in that was nominated for Best Picture. And I mean, coming off of like the '80s, like even tossing aside, you know, like the Blade Runner indie Star Wars of all. I mean, like Witness is there, Mosquito Coast is there, Working Girl is there. Like a lot of stuff there in that whole era. Um, I would say, oh, is this the peak of cat mouse chases in movies? Yes, because I think you guys are going to say the French Connection, and I think this is better. No country. Which, oh! I think, which I think has a lot. Which I think has a lot of influence. I think from this. Movie. I'm not going to lie. I like this much better than No Country. Okay. 
I can actually see what Tommy Lee Jones well, is saying in this movie, unlike No Country No No. <laughs> no, no, North by Northwest. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I, that would. I'll yeah, take the fugitive yeah. still. Okay, um, and then the big one you left out earlier, Dave. Movies inspired by TV shows. Now we have our answer, but you did not mention Star Trek earlier. Oh fuck me! Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about Star yeah. Trek. Star Trek the motion picture? No, just like the film <laughs> franchise as no, a whole. They, the franchise started. Oh, I'll still take the Fugitive over the whole franchise. <laughs> but <laughs> Give I me do the Fugitive over everything. Give me it over everything. I do <laughs> think it's, it's this. It's Mission oh. Impossible though. I I would put Star Trek third just out of liking because I don't really mm-hmm. fuck like, with the I, franchise I think, like that. I think it's first just like because I think it is the adaptation because like people it was also like you know they brought over a lot of the cast and all that kind of stuff too so. It's a real kind of like adaptation at first. And Helmer, do you have anything here? Or we got brushed to everything? I think one character we left out was in the train crash. The, the, the police officer with the stash who after it's over is talking to the press and he's like, yeah, you know, I just, I just, I don't know what happened. I just took him out of the, took him out of the train. And then he's busted on his lie afterwards. Hilarious moment. <laughs> Um, Valley, I just have Julianne Moore and because Harrison Ford is kind of it, like outside of Air Force One. Julianne Moore and Jane Lynch. I was Jane gonna Lynch, say Jane Lynch, throw her in there too. Yeah. Is this the peak of Jane <laughs> Julianne Moore? Uh, so yeah, I think Julianne Moore obviously has the best career out of anyone after this movie. So, uh, anything else, Jack, on your end? Um, I, I, I mean, yeah, you can. You mentioned it earlier. I mean, you can throw movies inspired by TV shows in here, too, because, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Star Trek came first, but I think, I mean, this and Mission Impossible within a few years of each other meant that there was actual, like, demand for it. So. For sure. All right, let's finish up here with some facts about the movie. Uh, I feel like Harrison Ford gets injured in every single movie he's in, <laughs> so there's no shock to me to, to, to find out that Harrison Ford damaged ligaments in his leg during the filming of the scenes. He refused to have surgery until the end of the filming, so the character would keep a limp throughout the movie. Um, next up, the scenes where Kimball is running through St. Paddy's Day Parade was not scripted. This is a letter, later edition by Davis. Davis, a native of the city, wanted to capture the parade, so he was granted permission from the mayor's office to film the day of the parade. The entire sequence was shot with a handheld steady cam without rehearsal. You're a director, Helmer. How obnoxious would this be filming? I hate steady cam. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is that's crazy. I didn't know that. So the fact that they were able to make it look good. Originally, Julianne Moore had a bigger role, even after she exposes Kimball briefly. Uh, Kimball would have sought after her and eventually fall for her, and a romance would blossom from that. It's very glad they did not do that. Yeah, just completely, just like, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, so what about that wife? Yeah, the one like, you know, trying to like lovingly prove that like you would never kill her. It's like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> so we talked about the... I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Do you know what it was originally supposed to be? Mm-mm. So Tommy Lee Jones was originally scripted to say that that isn't my problem, but it was changed to I don't care. So that's a good change. Yeah. yeah, and I th- I think it also kind of just like that also kind of makes him more of an asshole. I feel like whereas him just being like I don't care kind of just give paints him more in the picture of like you know like. 
I'm just doing my job, that's all. And so it's kind of more, I think, of... That line, I think, is just makes it much more easier to kind of get on his side. Because I think it's... I, I, I don't think any of us are really like, you know, oh, pro Ford, anti-Jones in the movie. I'm with I, you, we, yeah. I yeah, agree. Like, we, we, we like both. So um, I think the other line would have just played So here. I don't recall uh, Harrison Ford doing surgery in this movie. However... Uh, to prepare for the role, Harrison Ford shadowed University of Chicago Medical Center uh, doctors. He said it allows you to move and act as if you've done things a hundred times before. I sure, sure, dude. Reminds me of. <laughs> did you guys hear the story of um, Jeremy Strong? Apparently, wandered into like the set of like some other show and just like asked where the bathroom was, and somebody, like another succession person, came by and was like, "Yeah, he's just like getting into." Like the zone and like doing method. It's like, oh, so I guess that's the same thing. To date, the only remake of a regular television series to be nominated for a best picture. However, earlier winner, Marty, was a remake of a television <laughs> movie. <laughs> Traffic was an adapted from a miniseries, and 12 Angry Men was adapted from a play uh, staged on live television. Mm-hmm. As of 2017, it holds the record for the biggest number of film editors nominated for the Oscar with a total of six editors. I've looked <laughs> I've looked it up and I believe the record remains still with The Fugitive. And last couple here, while filming the movie, Harrison Ford also filmed a cameo in Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. This gave George Lucas the idea of making another Indiana Jones film with Ford, set in the 1950s. The beard he had grown for this film resulted in Indy being bearded in the episode as well. Appropriately, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came about his one appearance on that show. Uh, As of 2023, I mentioned this is the last film for Harrison Ford, uh, starring that he was nominated for Best Picture. Let's see. Stephen Fears was considered to direct the film originally. A director of like the Queen? Yeah, that's an an interesting choice. Um, I I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to say that like Andrew Davis, like despite you know him not having like a really storied career, I mean, he was the right choice for the movie. I think he really just knew a lot and understood how to keep the tension rolling the whole time so the last two here one of them i'll take some question a quick question on your end so i'll leave that for last many plotted elements of this movie actually appeared in a steven spielberg movie titled minority report kimball like anderton is accused of a crime he didn't commit and had to go on the run from federal agent both are at one point recognized on the subway by another passenger who sees a picture of a newspaper both need false identification to break back into their place of work for crucial information while obtaining the fake IDs, both are nearly caught. Both also are nearly caught by their pursuers while breaking into their place of work. Both discover a conspiracy and cover-up by a colleague, and both confront the colleague at a banquet held in his honor. Fittingly, Minority Report was directed by Spielberg, whom Ford worked on Indiana, Indiana Joe's movies. And finally, third highest grossing picture of 1993, what were their top two? Jurassic Park. Yep. Um, Schindler's List was big, I, not, not, I don't think it was bigger than this. I'd be stunned if it was the second grosser. I'm sure it was in the top ten, but I'm trying to think. Um, 
There wasn't a Disney movie that year, I don't think. Actually, I'm trying to think about. I think this actually was wrong. I'm looking at IMDb. This fact, actually, no, it was number two. It was number two. Oh, okay. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was, I was trying to think of some like action sequel or something that would have outplaced it. Oh wait, wait. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. That was there. It, it was number three. I just found number two. It was, it was doing it by, uh, uh, not domestic roast, but uh, not by worldwide, by domestic. Okay. What is it, Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Good for that. Good for that. And then Aladdin, The Fugitive. There it is, yeah. Wait, Aladdin was 93? I thought that was 92. Uh, No, 93, huh. yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, um, all right. Actually, no, this is actually all wrong here. This is very wrong. Okay, IMDb, <laughs> don't, fu don't fuck with Box Office Mojo anymore. IMDb, I knew it was 92. This is, Let's go. This is very, very wrong. Doubtfire oh, was two. Okay. Schindler's List was four, three hundred and twenty-one million. That free is... Free Willy was number ten. Just to throw that in there, big Free Willy fan. Oh yeah. Uh, in the Line of Fire and Decent Proposal, Sleepless in Seattle, where it's also part of it, and then Cliffhanger. And uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia apparently wasn't far behind either. So. What do you say, Homer? Wow. I was going to mention in the line of fire, John Malkovich was nominated that year, so it's almost an opposite role of uh, Tommy Lee Jones. But also, that movie is, has very similar vibes to this one. I like that movie so, a lot, by the way. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then we can finish off with uh, actually, we forgot the firm was also number five of the oh, year. These, what a great year for movies! I do yeah, like the firm a lot. Like the thriller genre. Yeah, the firm rocks. It's a little too long, but the firm rocks for the most part. Uh, it kind of kicked off the Tom Cruise assance of running in that movie. Uh, all right, cool. So, last thing before we finish off, there is a sequel to this movie. Have you guys seen it? No. Ah, uh, it's 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 worth a watch, my friends. It's called oh. the U.S. Marshals, nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, it's not nowhere near as good, but it, it's it's decent enough. And there is a remake of this movie that was made in India. In 1994, 1995, titled Criminal. Mm. And oh, that, this, oh, this is this is funny, Dave. Looks mm -hmm. like they reeled back G Jerry Goldsmith to do the score for the sequel. Oh, did they? Oh, shoot. Yeah, he does the score for U.S. Marshals. Interesting. Uh, yeah, but this time Harrison Ford's not in it. It's just about Tommy Lee Jones and a new case that pops up. But yeah, that wraps up everything for this week. This was a fun breakdown, guys. Uh, next week we are going to the park. Uh, where nothing wrong will occur, right, Jack? Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, no expense, no, no, no spared expense. I think it's none. the one. 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, before we go, Jack, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me. Uh, you can look me up on Letterboxd, see whatever I'm watching and the ratings I'm giving. You can see all of us over on the Critic Circle. Uh, we'll have a very exciting retro review coming up here soon in tying with a certain franchise revival coming into theaters this Friday. So be sure to check that out as well. Awesome. Helmer, thanks as always for joining us today. Where can everyone find you? You can find me mostly on Twitter production on Instagram, uh, on Letterbox, and Lucas Files on YouTube. Awesome. You can find me at the cinematic grill.com, a letterbox at the same name, and you can also find my work on Tomatoes, 
until next week. See you at the movies, kids. 